Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt.
And it's not even yeah. sung by Celine Dion. Whoops, did I say that? Um, <laughs> a man after my own heart. I hate but, Celine Dion. But I want to give a shout-out to Canada tonight because I have some listeners up in Canada. So, yeah. hello, Canada. So what's going on? Oh, yeah. What do you want to talk Don't about tonight? Don't you have a sense because life got in the way with uh, the fest this year? You don't well, have to you know, it's not set in stone, but don't you just have something concocted for next week? Right. And, you know, we've had three weeks to put together these movies that we want to show. They're most likely going to be some stuff off of YouTube that we can do. Uh, we'll post a list um, the next couple of days, definitely the next two days for sure. And we'll do maybe two movies Friday, two movies Saturday, and uh, try to do some, like, live maybe uh, hosting in between the movies and stuff just to kind of make up for the loss of the show next weekend. Um, At any rate, um, I don't know what the movies are yet. I've had three weeks to think about it, and honest to God, I've been doing nothing but, but, I mean, I'm still working, first of all, so I'm going in two days a week, working from home the other days. And I come home, and all I do is binge-watch horror movies. So I apologize because I should have had stuff already picked out and approved by George, but I haven't gotten there yet. So next day or so, but it's not like any of you people are going anywhere. You're all stuck home. So you're a captive audience. That's, that's part of the whole thing. We're not going to worry about that. But anyway, yeah. So we're talking tonight about our canceled show, which is terrible. We were hoping that by this upcoming weekend, things would have been better um, in Pennsylvania and the United States. And that is not the case. So, um, you know, it just it had to happen. The governor shut down all unnecessary businesses. We knew this was coming pretty much, um, but I don't think that we wanted to admit to the fact that we were going to have to cancel it, and I think everybody else felt the same way. But, you know, not only was it for safety reasons, obviously, for the for the patrons and for ourselves, but also it would be against the law for us to do it, you know. And I've had some people message me on Facebook and say, but other other drive-ins, other places are open and all this stuff. Well, you know, what I've dealt with with this whole epidemic thing is I don't give a shit what's going on elsewhere. <laughs> you know, hey. people are so so quick to say that. Maybe this state here or that state there has open drive-ins. Good for them. Pennsylvania doesn't. So this is the law. This is what we're doing. What happens in our backyard is what we have to worry about. We can't we can't push the envelope because somebody across the country has an open drive and that's just not the way it's going to be. So sadly we're all sitting home next weekend and not at the riverside, which sucks really bad. Yes, we totally. will be just like me in the past two years. I've been in the riverside in my heart every freaking year since I've not sure. been able to make it up there. And we well, all will you be know, at the riverside in our hearts. It matters. It matters so much to us, this show, twice a year. It's become such an important thing for George and I, you know, over the years that, you know, this was not a decision that weighed lightly upon us at all. I mean, we were happy to not have to endanger people, but we certainly were not going to, you know, to take any chances. Even if the state had been open, more than likely this would not have happened because, you have to consider the amount of people that come to this event. There is virtually people are thinking, "Oh, I'm sitting in my car, I'm safe." Well, you use the bathroom and you go to the, the you know to the snack bar, and the snack bar is very busy, and there's not a lot of room to distance people. You would have to have 
you know, allowing so many people in at a time, and it would require the yeah. Riverside to constantly be cleaning, uh, and, which they uh, would have obviously been willing to do, but it's just too high risk, period. I myself personally would not have felt comfortable. <laughs> What's that? people to do the car side service like most of them have been doing. And I don't know. Well, the fact the governor shut down all unnecessary back. businesses kind of negates that, so it doesn't matter. Again, yeah. we've we've been hearing about the car side service, but you know what what we're, what we need to look at here is not so much the social distancing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have to look at the amount of people that are going to be in a general area. That's the one thing that nobody is talking about here. Okay, we can all sit in our cars and make people bring us food like car hops and stuff. That still doesn't make a difference. You're still having 500, 600 people in a given area at one time, and the risk goes up dramatically. The risk goes up dramatically with five people, 10 people, 20 people. You know, I, I did some work with the CDC for a number of years. I'm still involved with people that are still working for the CDC. This is a very real thing. Some people aren't realizing you know, what they can get away with, and other people are getting away with too much. You know, follow the guidelines, and you guys will be fine. But you can't say, let's, you know, have car hops and stuff, because you're still having 600 people in a, in a given area. It's still concentrated with people opening their windows to smoke and people sitting outside their cars and stuff. It's just not safe. You know, it just isn't safe and at all. And I know so, how much things probably cost, and... People really aren't thinking how much of the added cost it would be to have to hire all the extra workers. That would be because you couldn't do it with the drive-in snack bar staff they have there now. You would well, have to hire it, more people to be going back and forth. You would have to hire people to make sure the bathrooms well, yeah, are it's clear. All, it's all valid. There. It's all very valid. But when the governor of Pennsylvania shut down unnecessary businesses, yeah. that was pretty much that was the, the proverbial nail. That was the end of it. And I was relieved about it because, you know, if we had done it that weekend, of course I would have been there. But I would have been nervous as hell about it. You know what I mean? Oh, I have God, enough yeah. problems with my sinuses and my lungs to begin with. I don't need to complicate my life with COVID. You know, so I don't. I don't want to be around the whole situation at all. Um, some good news, though, is we will be migrating some of the movies. At least one movie for sure is going to September that was going to be shown in April. I'm not sure how many others he plans on moving. I can't tell you what it is. We'll find out when the time comes. And we are already talking about features for September. Did yeah. I say that right? We're moving to September. Yeah, I did say that right. Yeah. You so we're, we're already talking a couple of features that, we're, that we want to do in September. So we're moving forward with that and very excited about what September is going to hold and for everybody. And here's the big so thing. Do you great. see any of the baseball fans? Do you see any of the NASCAR fans complaining about this? No. I don't know because I quit watching the news about about a month ago. My mental health has gone up much better. Well, yeah, do you, Carl? How many times have you, Carl, if you have $1,000 for every time you've seen a post about a baseball fan or a football fan or a NASCAR fan complaining that the spring season stuff is canceled, how rich would you be, Carl? To be honest, not that rich. Um, yeah. <laughs> They're cool. Cause yeah. <clears throat> well, 
you know, and there, it's not just a safety issue here, too. It's also a liability issue. Companies are not going to run the risk of, of making people sick and end up getting in trouble for it. That's another thing you have to take into consideration as well. Yeah. It's just you it's know, not going to happen. The other thing, too, you could, have, you could have 500 cars, right? Or, and, and you're what about the lines at the bathroom? Well, that's what I was saying. They, you know, they yeah. they were going, they were planning on opening, until the governor told them not to open, and they cleaned very, very well, and they would have kept up with it. They're wonderful people, but it was just not going to happen. It was something, and they they actually were doing takeout until they had to close completely because of the rules. They were actually doing takeout. I think for a weekend or two, they were opened a couple hours so people could come in and pick up food, which was very cool because a lot of people love their snack bar. The snack bar at the Riverside is is legendary. Their food is, is reasonably priced. It's great quality. Um, and there was no reason why, you know, if you lived local, you couldn't just pop by there and grab a pizza or some popcorn or something on a Friday night and go home and watch your own movies. And that's what they were doing. And they probably would have continued doing that if it wasn't for the fact that all unnecessary Pennsylvania businesses had to close. I don't live that close to the Riverside. I would have totally, you know, it's about a 40-minute drive for me. I would have definitely driven out if it was closer and picked up some some snack food. But, you know, I hate to drive anywhere, let alone down the block to my store. So, you know, that wasn't going to be. And nobody, you know, I don't think Grubhub would go to the drive-in to pick up my my popcorn and my pizza and my cheeseburger. We're having the next machine. We're having the guys from Central Cinema and how they're staying open as a tiny theater. They have virtual screenings. The companies that are putting out the movies on the VOD are supposedly we're going to give it to that book them in their theaters. Are showing the movies online, and you go to their online sources and you book them and you rent them. And oh, if you idea. use your local theater's link, your local theater gets fifty percent of the ticket, and they're charging like fifteen dollars to rent it for like a week or so. Three days or two days or so. I don't know much about that, really. I, I know what I do know is that you know, I was talking to Bill from Driving Asylum yesterday, and Bill was doing. Um, Bill did a uh, Messiah of Evil party uh, on Twitter, I guess, and one of the, the and Anitra Ford from the movie actually was with them watching the film, which was pretty cool. Um, they've done they've done several I guess uh, Twitter parties, um, you know uh, successful Twitter parties. But then I heard another story yesterday that people were doing a watch party between their homes on Zoom and Zoom shut them down for copyright infringement because it was well, gathering Netflix people were gathering to watch it. this. See, yeah, I don't see why it's a problem. You're not you're not making any. Well, you're not making any money off of it. I mean, I don't understand why, why you know, Zoom – I mean, primarily Zoom is for video conferencing, you know, for business, I guess. Families yeah. can use it. I know my next-door neighbor actually uses it. I've never used it. I use Skype, which is completely shitty. Um, or I use FaceTime, which works a lot better on my phone and stuff. But at any rate, this party was on Zoom, and I guess it was shut down for copyright infringement. Somehow – they found out it was going on, and they said that broadcasting the movie over their video conferencing system was illegal because so many people were watching and stuff. But again, we've talked about this in previous shows. It's sort of a fair use thing because 
really, if you're not charging these people to watch this movie, you know, it's a fine line there. You're really not doing anything illegal. You know, it's the same thing with Facebook constantly. Now Facebook actually gives you the option to, if they detect music that you put in a video, you know, on Facebook, they will actually give you an option now where that you can click that says, you know, I want to use fair use as my fair use as my uh, reason for why I want the video to stay up there. And, and, you know, in the past when I had gotten in fights with them, I had just posted the actual fair use, you know, uh, rule and sent that to them and said, you know, go fuck yourselves, <laughs> you know, because it's, bu- it's bullshit. It's really bullshit. It, would, it comes down to, you know, what it comes down to is, and I have a pet peeve with Facebook. I hate it, really hate it because – They're so quick to point the finger to censor on behalf of whoever they're censoring on. But meanwhile, all this other shit's going on on there that they don't address. And that's what's always made me angry about them. Somebody posts a video with music in the background or something. Obviously, they're not making any money off of it. It's for personal use. Uh, I worked in the entertainment business. A number of musical artists I know could give a shit less if people post videos with their music anywhere because it's free publicity you know, they don't care. No one's making money off of it. It's just it comes down to not the artists, but the corporations like Warner Brothers in particular, who are the biggest assholes about this because they they like Disney own half the world, so they they like to strong arm people and just shut shit down constantly. Um, but you know, well, they who can't cares? Touch our live watches because we make specifically sure that. We don't have any sound from the movies bleed over, do we, Carl? No. Well, come on. It's ridiculous. It's fair use. If you go read the fair use law in the United States, you guys can use anything you want to on this show as long as it's for review purposes or whatever. There is no reason why you cannot do it, period. It is not copyright infringement. I've heard of podcasts getting hassled before, but we've never caught any – Crap at all, have you, Carl? No, it's not at all. Ridiculous. I mean, we're, it's, it's we're careful about it. We're careful about it. But if you're doing uh, it as a review, a review it's, thing, it's it's perfectly legal. It is, you know. There's, you know, we we talked about this on a previous show. It's 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 the whole tyranny of Warner Brothers, and I love to go after yeah. them because. I worked directly with Warner Brothers for a lot of years, and the shit that I used to have to deal with from them was unbelievable. And the thing that really makes me mad about this is, you know, it's, it, they're like, it's like being in the mob, okay? We, I told you guys how this works. I make a record. I take it to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers pays me X amount of money for the project, okay? Then until I make the money to pay back Warner Brothers for the initial payment plus put them in the black – they basically own me, and they own my record. So they're not concerned about protecting the rights or the money of their artists. They're protecting the money that they want to make back, which eventually the profits will come down to the person who, who, you know, who is signed to their label. That's why Beyonce and a lot of these, these, these artists today, these big-name artists, are like, we're not dealing with the record companies anymore. We'll just put it out ourselves and deal with the expenses, yeah. and I think that's fantastic. I think the whole industry is what should be happening because, you know, again, it's a corporate breakdown with this stuff. And it's the same thing with the movies. You know, I, w- I was talking to a friend the other day about this, 
you know, all these movies are being held back now because of the, the pandemic and stuff. Why aren't we streaming these movies? Why, why, why isn't AMC and these other companies offering an app where you and I can watch these movies just like we're in the theater at a reasonable cost? Why can't we do this? You know, they don't want to do that, period, you from what I understand. You see how much the prices are for the new release movies are on Amazon? It cracks me up. Idiots. And I repeat, Somebody had told me that they were outrageously expensive. $20. Yeah, that's what I heard. I looked into it. Right. It's crazy. The Invisible Man for one weekend. There's no movie, no matter how much I wanted to see it, that I would pay 20 bucks for a two-day rental. (laughs) Well, again, that would break down to you, you know, and this is what they don't want. That would break down to me paying the $20 for that rental and inviting you guys over and charging you 5 bucks a piece. You know, that's that's that would be the kind of thing that you would want to do. You would want to do it as a as a Groupon kind of thing, I guess, if you wanted to yeah. see something as bad. But I'm just I don't understand why why they're not streaming these things and people just aren't paying for a reasonable money to see them, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's a well, pipe dream of mine. Well, the streaming that uh things are doing, I think it's like Ten to fifteen, same price as crazy. you average bought a ticket. But knowing that five that dollars of it is going back to the theater that can't make any money any but other I, way. And that's a whole other issue here too. You know, yeah. AMC is crying about bankruptcy. All these companies are crying about bankruptcy. They've been shut down for one month. Get over it. You know, too bad. <laughs> you're losing. You're losing a month of profit. If you was like AMC. You would put out an app where the people could get the movies well, from you? I think the corporations need to adjust their belts like Americans that are unemployed now that have to survive yeah. through this. You know, I can't feel sorry for a billion-dollar corporation that has outrageously projected figures for their year that they're not willing to give up. <laughs> so that they're, we'll just – and then, you know, we'll just – not hire anybody back, and we'll go bankrupt and stuff. It's ludicrous for a 30-day loss for these companies to claim bankruptcy or say they're never going to open again. Tough shit. You know what? It's a year where something happened. It could have been a hurricane. It could have been anything else. It could have been a massive natural disaster. You know what? Your corporations, your banking people should know how to protect you from this the same way as we as citizens in this country are expected to have a, a you know, back stock of cash for an emergency, which some Americans do, some don't. The point is, I don't feel sorry for these companies, period. They, they need to invest in their employees and, and keep paying these people and make promises to come back bigger than ever and to do bigger things. Then they'll get everybody back. There's a lot of money right now being saved by not going to these events. So you also have to look at it that way. Americans are dying to spend money, the ones that are still earning. So there's going to be a big boom financially when this thing's over because people are going to go ape shit. Yeah. You know? Look at Amazon. Amazon's having trouble keeping up with the amount of stuff that people are buying online right now. I mean, not just supplies because of the pandemic, but entertainment supplies. You know, I ordered something, and they told me it was going to come in June. Fortunately, it shipped yesterday. But, I mean, this is what's been going on. People are spending money. And my coworker and I were talking about this yesterday or Friday, how much money he has saved by not having to Uber, and he's not going to restaurants, and he's not doing all this stuff, and guaranteed he'll spend it on something. So if they just hold out yeah, long enough, like they're, they're going to have they, a windfall. Uh, close down any unessential shopping in Tennessee. And she needed you new did, sheets for a bed. 
So she just went on Amazon, boom, to her, about four days later, she's got herself some new sheets. I've been shopping on Amazon forever. I hate going in stores and dealing with people. So this social distancing thing hasn't been an issue with me. I avoid people at all costs. You know, I'm social when I need to be, but I'm, I'm antisocial most of the time. I don't want to be around groups of people, so it doesn't matter. But Isn't that how it used to be in the old days, Carl? It's like you went to a deli, but then that deli got too expensive. So you would go to the second-best deli with the cheaper prices. Right, Carl? Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's consumer, you know. It's the way that you should be as a consumer. You shouldn't be paying high prices just simply to pay high prices. I mean, I've been... I've bought more stuff at higher prices now because of what we're going through, but I need to stock up on meat and stuff. But I also didn't do any shopping where I didn't leave things for other people. I would buy one pack of chicken and leave the rest of the chicken or one pack of beef and leave the rest for other people. I never felt the, the need to this entire thing to panic show. You know, isn't that funny? Because I had I shopped at Costco, so I've had enough toilet paper to last me for a year already. And and paper towel, but I mean that's that's just another that's just another thing. I was thinking about actually thinking all all about that today. It's like uh, you know somebody somewhere. Let's pretend it's aliens. Somebody somewhere is watching the human race and saying, how do they prepare for the end of the world? They buy toilet paper. It says a lot about the planet, doesn't it? <laughs> you know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it really really does. You know. They're they're, they're going to survive with clean asses. Yeah. But y'all had a good lineup this year. This is the first year I couldn't give you crap about having an asshole slot. We were so excited about it. What's that, Carl? No, I didn't say anything. Not a problem. I thought you did. We um we were so excited about it. We were so excited about the the all the monster features on Friday night in particular, and then George put together this fantastic um, this fantastic Saturday lineup with some really rare movies and stuff. So this was something. More than likely, you will probably see these films again at some point. I don't know if they'll go to next April or, or what's going to happen with them, but I definitely know one of the films is, is definitely going to be migrating to to be shown in September for sure. We, we've already talked about that, and we've already talked about a number of films um, for September. It, it may be a show that might be all over the place with a bunch of different genres and stuff, but we'll bounce back bigger than ever, and we'll do something in September that will make up for April, of course. You know? Well, I remember, and like I, I said, here that he showed the Nashi films. Before today, people were like, I don't know who he is. Why do we have to watch that? Blah blah blah. Why didn't they get to I mean, And then by the end of the night, everybody was just sitting there like, "Wow." We had. Good. Uh, I talked to him about the possibility of mixing up September, like to do one night sort of an April thing and one night a traditional September thing. I don't know if that's something that he is going to want to do or not. I think he wants to stick with the themes and go with the older films, classic films and stuff for September. Yeah. I um I wouldn't have an issue with with mixing it up and doing um one night a little more modern, one night a little older stuff, but you know, he's the event planner, so ultimately that's his decision to do what he wants to do. So it's just it's just so weird though because this is like the show that never happened, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're gonna be looking back at the at the poster that he did and all the marketing that we had started, and just be like, "Wow, 
That never happened. You know, it's an anomaly now, a strange anomaly. Maybe in a parallel well, I will dimension. Say it's a good it, thing that Jim didn't find a print of Deadly Friends. Oh, uh, yeah, that was a bad yeah. deal. A lot of people were really kind of mad about that, I guess. We're kind of upset with the fact that it ended up getting pulled, but there was not a. Uh, there wasn't a good copy available. The copy that he had available, I think he said was, was um, I can't remember this. I mean, I can't quote what he said. I know, I think it, it was pink or red, and I think it was, it was. Uh, there was something wrong with it. It may, it may have been missing footage or was in, just in bad shape overall, or well, there was a definite reason Jim's why it had to go. some questionable prints before, because, and it was the whole movie. So if a movie was too bad for you guys to show it, yeah, but that you know what? You drag the horse behind the barn, bad. <laughs> even in the worst of the, even in the worst quality prints which we showed, they weren't as bad as what other drive-ins have shown and charged more for people to go. So, you know, sometimes if you want something, you really have to look at the overall appearance and say, well, you know, it's a little rough here, it's a little rough there, um, but the quality overall is really good. Um, you know, I'm always amazed by the people that will that will come on to the um come onto the community page and complain about um that they're not that there's too many digital prints and we they have to see thirty five millimeter. You know, it's what I tell you guys every time we have this talk, then get off your fucking asses and do your own show. You know, I hate people that, yeah. that criticize and complain. You know, George and I are lifetime fans of these of these movies and genre. We started out as monster kids collecting magazines and watching the CBS late night movie and we got older and you know, we were seeing movies in the theater and we were going to monster conventions and uh collecting autographs and then for our evolution as fans, as people, the next thing for George and I and this was happening independently with me in Pennsylvania and him on Long Island. We didn't know each other. We were growing up in the parallel in this parallel world and we, we both reached a point when we hit our thirties and forties where we were like, I wanna give back. You know, what we've done, what we've taken from the industry, we want to give back to people, a whole new decade, or not decades, generations of people that we can give something back to and create an experience for them like was given to us per se. And that's the way we dealt with being fans, and that's the next step in fan evolution. People who sit and bitch about the prince and all this stuff are assholes, bottom line. You know, if you don't get off your ass and contribute – back to the the medium that's giving to you, you're stagnant as a human being. That's my opinion and George's opinion about it. I don't mind criticism, but I just hate people that sit home and do nothing but bitch, you know, these, call them basement dwellers. You know, they're in their parents' yeah. basement. And this is with music industry. This is with everything. You know, social media, social networking and Social media has given these people a voice, and quite frankly, some of them just need to have duct tape put around their mouth for the rest of their lives. You know, I've banned a number of people from the community page because I'm not going to put up with shitty criticism. If you don't have something to bring to to bring to the, the counter to talk about, and you're just going to complain about these prints and stuff, you know, and you're not you're somebody that never comes, which is one of George's biggest beefs. 
You know, if you were a regular attendee or customer that's contributing to the event, we would definitely listen to you. If you're just going to go on a community page year after year and bitch about this stuff, I don't want to hear you. And neither does he because it's not constructive. It's not constructive for us. It's not constructive to the people who are having to put up with you. So what is the term that our parents used to say, shit or get off the pot? You know, yeah. anybody, can, anybody can do this. Anybody can find a theater or a drive-in and, and, and commit to this and find some people that they're friends with locally and, and do their own thing. And, the, and that competition is welcome. You know what I mean? Because to me, I don't have a problem with other Pennsylvania drive-ins doing the same type of shows or the surrounding states. I think it's fantastic because the bottom line is George did it first, and if people are emulating what he did and they're creating their own wonderful shows and they're bringing joy to all these people, then that's fantastic. It's like lighting a fire and just watching it go. You know what I mean? And I'm thankful for that because you're not you're not doing this by yourself. You're not the only light on a dark night. You look out across America and you see all these little drive-ins and these theaters doing the same thing and pretty soon it's a beautiful bunch of lights and not just one little light. Do you know what I mean? And that's what it's all about. That's well, absolutely what it's all about. Do you ever hear me griping, Carl, when we have an idea for this show that we started doing for it six years ago then you see a lot of people jump on the bad wagon and start doing it? <clears throat> You certainly mention it, but you don't gripe I mention gripe it, but I don't gripe because it's like, yes, we did something right. Well, you know, I've always been one to believe in your professional and personal life that the more that you focus on other people doing things and you're not focusing on yourself, you're a loser for that. So yeah. I don't know what the other the other drive-ins are doing. I don't look, and I don't care. <laughs> and I don't mean to be that way. Like I'm, you know, like well, I, I'm stuck up or whatever about George's it. The show and the others is that most of them go for low-hanging fruit, and you like to mix it up. You guys like to mix it up. We've always felt that quantity was not as important as quality. So t- twice a year, like somebody was going on on the – several people were saying on the community page when this all started – can you move the show to the summer? No, we can't move the show to summer because the Riverside Drive-In is a commercially operated running drive-in, which means from a certain date to a certain date, they are owned by Hollywood. And that time, they have to show Hollywood films, okay? So they don't have the option to offer us a weekend that we can go in in the summer and put this together. Plus, when people say that to George and I, it's like an eye roll because it's like we at that point we understand they're not mentally grasping the amount of time and attention that goes into putting these shows together. Apparently they think that you can just, you know, go on the internet and click I want to rent five movies or eight movies or whatever and this is what I want to do with it. George has to look these these films up. He has to see what's the best available. He has to look into the rental. He has to talk to studio people that have the copies. He has to pay for shipping. He has to pay for the insurance. I mean, this is a very big multi-layer thing that takes place here. It's not as simple as 
going to Warner Brothers' website or wherever, I mean, I'm just using this as a lame example, and checking boxes and going, okay, these are the four movies I want for Friday night, send them to me. It doesn't work that way. It's, it's time-consuming, it's expensive. You know, and there's, and there's a lot that has to go into that. And the same way with the Riverside. The Riverside has to be prepared for the onslaught of horror fans which shows up. That means that, you know, they have to purchase more food. They have to make sure more people are working. I mean, it, it is definitely a effort between us and between them when we do these twice a year to make sure everything falls into line. And, you know, Todd has to do the editing of all the uh, trailers he has to do the editing of all the 35 millimeter stuff. Um, you know, it's a lot of work. It's not as simple as putting up a Brady Bunch screen in your backyard and having a show. It's not the way it works. So twice a year is perfect. Absolutely. Excuse me. Absolutely. Doing it every weekend is not. <laughs> if we had the ability but, to do it every weekend, we wouldn't do it every weekend. You know. And plus, it's like a you said the mafia. It's like a mafia thing. You got to know people to even get access to the prints. Me and Carl couldn't just walk off the street and walk into Warner Brothers and say, "Hey, we'd like to rent fourth. We have an old drive-in in the middle of nowhere, and we'd like to rent five movies one weekend." And they'd be like, "Oh, who do you, well, you know? know? We know that we can verify that you're legitimate." George has George has a reputation. George started out with DVD yeah. driving on the internet and he was doing that a decade or longer before this whole project started for him and um he was already, you know, getting getting building a reputation in the industry. I remember when he had his he he did liner notes or a review on the back of Frankenstein's Bloody Terror, I think it was. <clears throat> that came out from Media Blasters and I was like joking with him. I'm like, "Dude, you you you've arrived." You know, you are now you are now appearing on on DVD on DVD labels, and you know he and his friend Keith have worked on um, a number of um, films, doing um, doing uh, commentary and they and putting out those uh, compilations of trailers uh, that the, that they sell. And um, I mean, George has become a respected name in the industry. So yeah, George is George has good contacts and. You know, he knows who to work with and get what he wants. So that's that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Yeah. Plus, he's the greatest person to will, work with. And what I mean by Yenzer Eclectic is that you will try something different. It's like, okay, we got uh, Edgar Allan Poe night for this night. So what are we going for the next? We're going to bring Terror of the Zombies, the third uh, Blind Dead movie, and some Paul Nashi films. Why? Because we know we're going to make the money and people will be happy with the Hammer films that we got on Saturday. It Even wasn't actually Hammer, Hammer on Saturday. We'll whip out some weird ones like Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. That was that weekend you're talking about in October was actually the two Dark Shadows films followed by The House of Drip Blood and the last film of the night was Bat People, which Bill actually, Bill from Driving Asylum actually wanted that film. That was a Bill film. And that Friday night was a number of Paul Nashy films and the third Blind Dead movie, Horror of the Zombies. And it, so it was like a full night of Spanish terror, Spanish horror. And it was, it, was a, it was a scary experiment. It really was. We knew that Saturday night's numbers were locked in because it was the anniversary of Dark Shadows, and we had done a lot of um, 
we had done a lot of press. I, you know, I, I worked with the Dark Shadows uh, cast for a number of years and the Dark Shadows conventions, and we were able to get autographs, and we had uh, Catherine Lee Scott do bumpers for the event and stuff. So we had really hyped up that Saturday night, plus the Amicus film is a huge movie, The House of Drip Blood, um, being basically like a hammer film. It was it was definitely something that was going to bring people. Um, very seldom have you seen across America the two Dark Shadows films back-to-back. So we, we knew that night was locked, but we there wasn't much we could do in terms of advertising for the Friday night. You see what I'm saying? There there weren't any yeah. celebrities to approach. There weren't any conventions, really. There was no, no cross-marketing tie-in for that Friday night whatsoever. It was just throwing the luck to the wind and saying, look, these are great Spanish horror films. You may not know what they are, but you should try – and see if you like them. And people came out for that. And it was the same way when we screened um, that Sleeping Corpses Lie that Saturday night. And um, and the rest were Spanish, I think, Spanish horror films that night. And, um, you know, George was up at the box office, and I, I came walking back, and I was standing there, and he's like, have you been up there? And I go, I was up there a little bit ago. He goes, there's a fucking line all the way down the highway, <laughs> right? And there was. It was unbelievable the amount of people that came out that Saturday night when we screened the 4K copy of Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. I think we were the second. We were for the first drive-in in America to do it, but maybe the second theater. I think another theater, another venue had already shown it that year but you know again he was connected to the label you know and he was able to you know say the the label you know we want to show this and they were like here do it and it happened so you know well, we that didn't night expect I it. went with the Wastes of Zombie I was like yeah I was just saying that whole day like yeah wait till they see House of Psychotic Women yeah I'll just wait people love that stuff people ate it up I mean it just you yeah. know it, you, that's the real horror fans. You know, you put a lot of big name movies, especially in the April show. You put a lot of big name movies up, and and the, the reason why people are coming to see these, a lot of our audience is because they weren't old enough at the time to see them in the theaters when they were kids. Yeah. So they were actually seeing the VHSs that their their brothers and sisters and parents were running. So they have a certain nostalgia to these films, the same way that you two and I have a nostalgia to Vincent Price movies and the American International Pictures and Godzilla movies and stuff. This is their their genre. So, yeah, that draws them out. But getting them to be interested in other things is a rough thing sometimes. I mean, and a perfect example of that are the Walking Dead fans. And we've talked about this on previous shows. They love zombies. They love The Walking Dead. But then you throw a George Romero movie at them, which is – the absolute source material for The Walking Dead, you know, confessably by the people that brought you The Walking Dead, that George Romero's films, the trilogy in particular, were responsible for The Walking Dead existing. And you still have these fans that, that don't like the, the, the George Romero films. I remember there was a Walker Stalker convention that was up in, in New Jersey a number of years ago, and I know that um, – uh, some of the cast members from Night of the Living Dead were there. I think Russ Dreiner was there, and um, 
and Judy O'Day, and I think Kyra was there, and they weren't doing the amount of business that the other people were doing from The Walking Dead. I mean, here are the three top people from Night of the Living Dead, and people were just, like, oblivious. I mean, there was they did well, I guess, I'm sure, but not the amount of money and, and attention that, that The Walking Dead celebrities were getting. I mean, that, well, that's I ridiculous. I remember uh, going to Monster you know. Bash, I think it was my last oh. year, the year before, and you had, I think, I forget which one of the Night of the Living Dead stars was there. I know Russo was there as usual. But probably Kyra, because she used to do all the yeah, monster bashes. Kyra. And you had that little dipshit, Jeremy Ambler. I don't know who that is. He's a guy that did a three-second cameo in The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, I do know who he is. Well, yeah. you gotta give him you gotta give him credit for putting himself out there. I mean, you figure if people if the guy who said these aren't the droids you're looking for is signing autographs for forty dollars, some guy that got lucky and did a walk on in The Walking Dead has every right in the world also to to get autographs. You know, well, it feels like people from the Romero film was getting <clears throat> autographs, but everybody was coming up and talking to this. Well. I didn't notice. Well, I know what you're saying. It was a C-list celebrity, but I didn't notice that. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't even think I spoke to the gentleman. I know who he is because he 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 appeared at a number of different conventions, and you know, like a, he wasn't even on like the the roster for the people that were going to appear, and then all of a sudden, like a day before, they would add him or whatever. I mean, you know, I don't know the means on how that happened. I'm just saying that I get where you're coming from, but I mean, he put himself out there, so. You know, he may never do anything else the rest of his life, but he did that. So that's that's what matters for him. You know what I'm saying? So I get where you're coming from, but I kind of don't have a yeah. problem with him for that reason. I just think it's terrible that when you put Judy O'Day and and you know and Russ Dreiner next to one another, and they are they are an iconic horror couple that anybody that knows anything about horror should be thrilled to death to meet the two of them together in one place and get a picture with them. I mean, it's Johnny and Barbara from from Night of the Living Dead. They are so iconic, you know, and for people to walk past them and think, oh, well, they're from that Living Dead movie, but I don't like that stuff. I like Walking Dead instead. It's an insult to me. And it, it also says... It like that, uh, Pete was uh, complaining uh, that he uh, did a wasteland once and did a questionnaire with... Uh, Said, hey, Who was that? And he told Pete, uh, 42nd Street Pete, Pete Chanella. He said before. Okay, yeah, I know who he is. Yeah. He said to people, don't ask about Night of the uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Ask about his other stuff. And guess Absolutely. what? 90% of the questions were just about House of a yeah. Thousand Corpses. Well, that's why, that's why this, I mean, again, you know, I love people to come to the to love these movies and you know everybody's entrance to the world of horror films is going to be a different movie and stuff okay and that's great but you know you have to look at the source material i know as a movie fan i did that i totally did that when i started watching movies as a kid and and even and it continues to this day i have an insatiable appetite for discovery you know, new new uh, directors, new producers, actors, actresses. You know, every once in a while, I find some random movie from the 70s that I never knew existed, you know, because so much obscure stuff is still, you know, coming out. 
today that you know you think everything everything you've seen everything and then all of a sudden you know you you go on one of these torrent sites and confessibly I do cruise the torrent sites and download files whatever um, when I look for rare films and I'll find something yeah. that that's up there and I'll go holy shit I didn't know this existed and then you know you start peeling back the layers and finding out all this stuff and it's just like wow you know and I've been watching a lot of obscure stuff at home. Um, last night I watched this 1980 film with Jack Palance called The Demon. Um, I watched this movie called Fear No Evil about this kid who's possessed by Satan. Last night, oh, I love that no, movie. he is Satan. He is Satan, right? He ends up it ends up at yeah. Bellhurst Castle, I think, in the Finger Lakes at the yeah, end of the movie. That's a great movie. It's just a sad that. Well, the director said that we know this, right? Called that it was originally was a longer movie. That was more religious than it was supposed to be. But sure. They just well, then, it down. And speaking of religious, and I watched this movie last night. You guys will probably remember this one because it was. I think it was a director. Actually, I think the director. The director did two movies, and they both went directly to VHS back in the day. The two films were The Chilling, and the other film was The Pit. And I know The Pit has a big following with a lot of oh, these God, 80s, these people that are into the 80s horror films. But, you know, The Chilling is about, it, it's a ridiculous plot. Dan Haggerty is in it, and Troy Donahue, I don't know how they got him, and Linda Blair, and her acting is absolutely awful. And, oh, God, um, I know that one, the one about the right. uh, cryogenic, cryogenic suspension zombies. zombies. Right, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, just, it's just terrible because at the beginning of the movie, it's obvious the director had some sort of... Um, had some sort of issue about cryogenics. At the beginning of the movie, there's a disclaimer that says, does cryogenics go against the will of God, or is it the work of Satan, right? And then there is a scene in the movie where this guy's kid dies, and they're going to put him into cryogenic suspension because the wife is already. And the doctor says to him, are you sure you want to do this because it's going against the will of God? So it was, it's kind of like, do you guys remember that, that turkey monster movie that came out, how it was um, uh, the one that we watched on oh, Thanksgiving? Oh, this is my favorite oh, movie of all time. Yeah, yeah. Remember how Blood, right, Blood, Blood Freak has that guy, He it's like a narrated it's like a public service announcement for drug abuse yeah, and sex. It is, it's like a Greg Christian Gibbons. horror movie. Right. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, well, well, hold on. i got to say this. The, one, the way I describe that, it's the only pro-Christian, anti-drug, mutated turkey monster uh, wherein the narrator, in lecturing you about drugs, goes into a coughing pit because he's smoking too many fucking cigarettes. Yeah, he's sitting there chain smoking during the entire thing. It's great. Um, but this chilling movie, it was the same type of uh, thing. Well, anyway, what happens is, and I'm still, I still don't know why this happened. So there's a problem. Dan Haggerty and the other guard are working, and then for some reason, there's a power outage. So I, I don't remember why they brought the cryogenic tubes outside of the building. <laughs> I must have missed that part. Only in the plot development that the cryogenic tubes outside would all individually get hit by lightning one after another. And earlier in the movie, the guy says, um, yeah, the cryogenic suspension fluid is green. Okay, so we've established that's why the zombies are going to be green. And then, and then he says, it's a highly electronically or electrically conductive material. So we, right there, they're setting up the, okay, how do they get reanimated? And why are they green? Because 
the fluid in her body is, is uh, you know, electronic, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But the movie is just terrible. It's awful. So I watched that. I watched the three of those last night. And then last week I watched a lot of other similar genre films from the 1980s. So, I mean, these films are rare. They really are. You know, I, I don't even know if they all have. I think some of them have Blu-ray releases. I think uh, Fear No Evil is out on Blu-ray, and I think The Chilling might be yeah. on Blu-ray. But I don't think the other one you know, is. I don't think. Dang good, isn't it? I like it. What yeah. about you, Carl? I think it's the kind of film that I you could that definitely. Movie. I think that I think that it, and I always get it mixed up with Mind Seven Six Evil. I think both of those are films that probably have enough of a following that George could actually probably show those at at an April show. You know. Oh yeah. Nine Seven Six Nine Seven Six Evil in particular, because a lot of people know that, and I think. I think the celebrities in that movie have actually done conventions, haven't they, from that film? Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. And let's not forget that. Yeah, I think done, the only uh, film, that's the only film that uh, England ever directed. Yeah. Well, yeah, England directed. Yeah, and exactly. And right. yeah. He does many a convention for Fright Night denying that he was ever in gay porn. <laughs> what? Well, he looks like he should be. <laughs> he was. <laughs> he definitely That's what he had did that. After Fright Night. After Fright Night, he did gay porn in the eighties. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's a problem that it's gay porn. I think it's only the problem that it's gay porn from the nineteen eighties. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> because I think you all remember how bad straight porn looked in the nineteen eighties. So. Yeah. <clears throat> gay, gay, the, the only thing I remember, my whole collective consciousness about gay porn, and see, you have to get me <laughs> off on these crazy tangents here. I remember there was a, I remember there was this terrible porn called The Pizza Boy Delivers, and it had what's his name? It, it had what's his name in it? Joey was it Joey Stefano? Was that his name? He ended up doing a zombie movie. He did like Zombie Five or Six. Do you remember that? Oh no. Oh, I know who he is, but yeah, he did Zombie Five. Who was that guy? He went to to Italy and tried to be, he tried to leave the porn world, and he went to Italy, and he made like, like the the zombie film, and he made, um, he made like an action film, like I think an Italian action movie. Jeff Stryker. Jeff Stryker, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. Jeff Stryker. I was fun. I think he's still alive. Being undead is cool. (laughs) For what? Did he say that in the movie? Yeah, that's what one of the zombies said to him. (laughs) I don't don't remember that. I just, I just, I remember those all came out from Media Blasters, and I confessively bought them all on DVD. Zombie 3, Zombie 4, Killing Birds, and Zombie 5. Right. I like the Killing Birds one. I like the Killing Birds one a lot. I just remember being, not knowing that Jeff Stryker was in that film, and I remember um, having people over and watching, like, a couple of those movies, and then we got to that one, and I was like, oh, my God, Jeff Stryker's in this. And they're like, are you fucking kidding me, that gay porn guy in the zombie film? And it was just the general collective thought by the end of the film was stick to gay porn, Jeff. Your acting is terrible. You know, it's it's better to see something in your mouth than your mouth open and all in words coming out. Oh, that was terrible. <laughs> oh, that movie 
Oh, good God. <laughs> Tell us what well, you really think. <laughs> I did tell you what I really think. I think – wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold for it. I think Jeff Stryker sucked, but I'm dumb. Anyway. Oh, he said Dave Horace. I would think yeah, he does too. Exactly. Oh, you won't believe what Carl just seen for the first time yesterday, Gene. Carl had gay sex for the first time yesterday? No, he didn't. Oh. Well, for the first time he's no. seen all the colors of the dark. Let me, let me assure you both it's overrated. Anyway, <laughs> but anyhow, uh, anyway, what did Carl? What did Carl do for the first time yesterday? He did what? All the colors of the dark is yellow. Oh, I love that movie with the witches. Yeah, Carl just finally seen it yesterday. I'm like, what? You guys have seen that before? Who was the director on that film? He's famous. It was Martino. 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 Yeah, Martino, Sergio Martino, right, known for uh, his wonderful spaghetti westerns, right. And wow, after the, awesome. And 2019, after the fall of New York. That is that. All the Colors of the Dark is one of my absolute favorite, um, absolute favorite jalios, and it's, in particular the scene where she's being chased up those, she's being chased up these stairs or something, right, and some guy's right. after her or something. I remember it being really dis- disturbing. And uh, the, the Russian guy, Ivan Razumov, was chasing her, wasn't he, Carl? Yep. Yeah, that's an interesting film. I don't think many of those Italian movies blended with um, the occult. <coughs> it's a, it's and plus the, the name is just the name itself is spectacular. You know, all the colors of the dark. What the fuck does that mean? You know, that's the type <laughs> of thing that cares. I mean, that's why like me right they had these great titles that really didn't mean crap, like uh, the Cat and Nine Tales, uh, the Bird. Well, who the was the, who was the actress? Who was the actress? The Italian Edwin actress. Prince. She was. Uh, who was it? Fennec. Fennec. Edwidge Fennec. Right. Yeah. She's been in a lot of those films. Oh, yeah, I love her. That's the reason I watch it, because I have the hots for her. Yeah, a lot of guys do. She's beautiful. Is she still around these days, or no? No, I think she finally passed. I'm not sure about that, though. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, she 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 made quite a few of those Jalio films back in the day, if I remember correctly. So, you, but, yeah, so that's anyway. That's one thing that you guys really haven't shown is not that many Jalos at the drive-in. I think we could get away with some Dario Argento stuff, but that's about the extent of it. You can't you, – it would have to be stuff like uh, Deep Red or um, Inferno. I mean, if you even consider Inferno or Jalio, stuff, stuff that came from Fulci or Argento primarily would be stuff I think George could work with. But, you know, unless it had sort of an American crossover – Again, it's like what we were talking about earlier with introducing people to new to new films. It just doesn't seem to happen that way. You know, people, you can lead a horse to water. You can you can you can lead a fan to murder, but will they pick up the knife? I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. you know, I would love to. I'll tell you what I would love to see at, at the drive-in, and we've talked about this numerous times, and it's on Blu-ray now, so this is a possibility. Is uh, Alice Sweet Alice? Um, Oh, oh yeah. love! Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I can't get enough of that film. Absolutely, Please. you know, huh? Fantastic movie. You got but, to see uh, that, Ivan, didn't you, Carl? What? 
Alice, Lee, Alice, you got to see that at the drive-in, right? Uh, yeah, I saw it under the name of Communion. Communion yeah. was a, was a, Communion was the uh, was the name when I saw it on HBO back in the day when they ran it. It was Communion. It was a highly controversial film. Um, it's in my top ten favorite movies of all time, and it, it really is an American movie that is essentially a Jalio film. And it is absolutely, for people that haven't seen this movie, it is absolutely ruthless. It was Brooke Shields' first movie. Um, the actress who played her older sister, um, the name eludes me, Margaret somebody, she did two movies, which one was Alice Sweet Alice, and the other movie was Liquid Sky, if you guys remember that. And, um, oh, I, was, went to the, was, I went to the uh, uh, premiere of that in, in uh, 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 Lower East Side. Right, and the actress Margaret, I can't remember her last name, she she was in that film. Um, she sort of disappeared into the, she's disappeared into the void. I had heard she was living in lower New England somewhere, and then somebody had done, I had done some research, and a friend of mine had done some research, and we found, we think we found her in Washington, Washington State, that she had actually moved to Washington State and was living there, and she has a son um, and she retired from doing movies because I know that they were trying to get her for the commentary. I think Vinegar Syndrome uh, was looking for, and some other people were looking Arrow. for for the for the for the events and stuff. And nobody could find this woman. She just sort of did these these two very outrageous films and then disappeared until it was done. That was it, you know. And 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 both roles are pretty controversial. She was completely fucked up in Alice, Sweet Alice, and then. She was this weird new wave beatnik girl in uh, in Liquid Sky who is fucked to death by the blonde actress. People that aren't familiar with Liquid Sky, this alien spaceship lands on top of this this fashion models apartment in New York City in the 80s, and all her friends are very pretentious new new romantic new wave punk people, and she finds out that when she has sex with people that they die, they sort of disintegrate, and these spikes these spikes of glass come out of the back of her head, and she gets high like she's on heroin, and then the aliens take the byproduct of her fucking the person to death, which is the glass spike, like they eat it. They need it to survive. The film is so far out there, it's unbelievable. It's really strange, but, you know, I have the Blu-ray... It's a movie that I've loved for over 25 or 30 years. I just think it's so it's such a it's such a uh, snapshot of punk life in 1980s in New York City. You have to see it just to see the costumes oh. and the yeah. music and stuff. And how lucky you were to have gone to the premiere for that, Carl. That is like great respect to you for that. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, that you know, not only that, that was I, I got to meet Slava Zuckerman very very oh, briefly. Oh my God. I'm, Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Yeah, but that's when I was trying to get into the no budget things that were happening in the East Village. Right. You know, and, 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 and Stephen always derides me for it, but you know, I wanted to to, to hang out with Lydia Lunch and that crew. Fuck mm-hmm. Lydia Lunch. I met Lydia. <laughs> what I, really I, met, <laughs> I, I I had the pleasure of meeting her a number of times and I have a real weird story about Lydia. I'm I uh, Thrill Kill called. I'm good friends with the members of Thrill Kill called, and Frank, the lead singer, and I used to talk every day on the phone. And I called Chicago. He lived in Chicago. I called his house one day, 
and he just put Lydia Lunch on the phone with me, which was very strange. <laughs> it was like a real catch-22 thing, like, I'm on the phone with Lydia Lunch. What the fuck is going on with my life? This is very odd. <laughs> she, didn't, she, didn't have, she didn't have much to say, but... And then I had met her, yeah, actually, in New York. You oiled-up, greasy stud... I'm a little scared of her, to be honest so, with you. I'm a little, I'm a little scared of her. I was, I was a little bit frightened. Three or four influential people in the '80s, like that, or the nine. It was the '80s, wasn't it? Late '80s, early yeah, '90s. Yeah. Actually, in the, I met him in the '90s. I was very intimidated by Henry Rollins, but then after I met Henry and got to know Henry, he's he wasn't who I perceived him to be. Lydia Lunch, I was very scared of because she's so weird. And then the person who just passed away recently, Genesis Peorge from Psychic TV and Throbbing Gristle, um, he was absolutely unbearable to deal with. I, I was with him for like four hours during a show that was here in Pittsburgh, and he was just – I was terrified that if I turned around for one minute, he would kill me. It was like <laughs> dealing with Hannibal Lecter, you know. <laughs> I was standing there, and I felt something on my back, and he said, don't move. And he here's what he did. He put the word evil on the back of my shirt, and I still have this shirt. And then he came around the front, and he wrote the word live on the front of my shirt. And then he said to me, when you look in the mirror, you're, you're live, but everybody behind you looks at you in your evil. And I guess this was supposed to be some sort of epiphany to him. And I was all I could think of was, you fucked my shirt up, you're an asshole, and you're unbelievably weird, and I'm glad I came to your show, but I really can't stand you, <laughs> you know? Oh, it's such man, a weird story. I still have it. Uh, I still have the shirt. O'clock. Yep, it's 8 o'clock. we got to get going, guys. Thank you for having me here tonight. Let yeah. me run my mouth for an hour, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to September. Oh, and we, we have it there for you next month. We're going to uh, – it's an announcement. We're going to ha- watch uh, back – a good and bad Latino films like something. We're going to be watching Walk Proud with Robbie Branson. Are well, you mad that. enough to watch it with us? Well, he was. I could do that with you, but you know what? He wasn't. I remember that movie, and it was ridiculous because he's the farthest thing from Latino. I mean, what, well, what did the they whole do? Point. That's they, the whole they, point. They, they put they put a they they made him wear a, a bandana and he got a tan and somehow that made him Latino, which is and fucking he's ridiculous. A, and he's got one of the worst. He's got the worst Spanish accent movies ever, besides Robert Loggia and Scarface. I think they made him. I think they made him smoke in that movie too, so he would appear to be like a street thug or something. You know, it was uh, just awful, okay. terrible film. Okay, All right, well, let I'll me get... know. And listen, we will. We'll get the, um, the next two days here on the community page. We'll get something up and running for this upcoming weekend and figure out how we're going to do this. And. Uh, like I said, we'll have a viewing party. It's not going to be eight films. It'll probably be two films per night. They will probably be links of movies that are on YouTube, so we're all legal here. And so, like, we'll start them at a certain time and then maybe do, like, some live commentary in between the films and stuff and have some people talk and that type of a community thing. And that's all it's going to be. It's just going to be something small because we're all going to be sitting home next weekend wishing – Wishing that we were at the drive-in. I didn't even look at the weather. It's probably the weather for next weekend was probably perfect for the first time in, in, in you know what eight years. <laughs> it's probably sunny and warm next weekend. That'll be our luck, you know, because every every other year it rains. <laughs> so, whatever. Well, thank you All for right. being on. 
Thank you. Thank you for everything, always, guys. It's always, always a good pleasure. To, always good to hear from you, man. It's always and, good to hear from you guys. And, and George loves you guys, and sorry you couldn't be here tonight, but you'll talk to us soon enough. So. Huh? Okay. We'll see you. Thank you. Take care. Night, night. Okay, oh, I'm going nice. to drag out a thing since we started barely talking about it. Okay. Lead us on, a wondrous one. Steven? And now, Coachside Radio proudly presents Carl and Steve Go to the Movie. Take it away, guys! Well, tell us again, Carl. We'll get into a little more detail. What did you think of All the Colors of the Dark now that you've got to see it yesterday? since you was in sort of semi-lockdown because your roommate was busy. Yeah, uh, it's a little odd, um, <laughs> truly. That that has to be one of the odder films I've ever run across. Um, and and I found it really interesting. Uh, one thing, I, I as I was saying, gee, I, I, I'm a big fan of, of uh, Abuja Panek. And and she's gorgeous, and and so I'm yeah, that's a good thing. And and I just found it really strange. Um, even even for a, a, a shallow, because shallows generally don't make exactly a lot of sense. Uh, you know, and, and and to me this was just so uh, out there with the. Um, with all the uh, 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 devil worshiping and so on and so forth, where did that come from? You know, I mean, it's just a little odd to say the least. Yeah. But really good. I mean, the color, the color uh, uh, scheme, and 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 the uh, and all those dream sequences or those unreal sequences, uh, uh, they were extremely well done. It's almost as surreal as my favorite giallo. Okay. The perfume of the lady in black. Right. Have you seen that one, Carl? No. No, that one I don't know. Giallos actually are, are a... Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're a genre that, that I don't have as much uh, knowledge of. Because that's the one genre that I didn't get to see a lot of in my formative time, which was the 70s. That was one thing that HBO didn't do a lot of. They didn't do a well, lot of Bob. Uh, Shudder, I think, and uh, yeah. what have they done? The Solange is on there, which you need to see. Right. Well, trust me, I, I all the shallows that that uh, are there, I absolutely uh, uh, 
uh, have have on the listing. I'm going to do those, no question. And good God, is the score that amazing? Yeah. Oh. Oh, absolutely. Just just an amazing uh, uh, score of music selection. No question about it, man. Seriously. I mean, it's got some of the best in there, Edwig. Uh, Ivan Rasimov. And you've seen one of the better ones they've got on Shutter, which is uh, the strange vices of the strange vice of Mrs. Ward. Now that one I actually own uh, because I'm a big Matt Simber fan. So when I first saw that and, and, and saw it with Simber, uh, you know, I I was no, that's the witch that no, no, never mind, that's not Ward. But yeah, I own Ward and I love that movie. That's another Sorry, guys, one. I don't know if it's on Shutter. I think it's on. Uh, it's on one of the streaming channels. I forget which, but the witch you came from the sea. You need to see that. It'll fry your brain. Yeah. But it's good. Oh yeah, agreed. Agreed, without a doubt. But yeah, the strange vice of Mrs. Ward is good. It's, I remember when uh, the editor came out, the Jalo tribute slash thing from uh, Astron 6, which right, I, I remember. to death. But to quote the filmmakers, this is what happens when you take a genre that you love and you know intimately, but you forget that not as many people love and know intimately and won't get the joke. Right. Exactly. That's the problem. Jalos are really not that well known because everyone that Blue Underground them put out, pretty much of them are strikeouts. None of them sold good. No, it's a and damn there's, shame. Uh, Luigi Cosi's The Killer Must Kill Again, which is good but hilarious. It's about this serial killer who this lawyer catches killing this girl. So he has to kill his wife for him. But when he kills his wife, (laughs) these three joyriding punks still hit the killer's car with the body in the trunk. So the killer has to now go after them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, wonderful It's fun. fun I mean, it's one of those you feel bad for the psychotic killer Because, you know, just like God damn, this poor motherfucker <laughs> He keeps getting into this shit <laughs> And of course, yeah, the Suspiria fun. remake Which is, God I love the Suspiria remake Love the Suspiria remake uh, I, I, actually, if I think about it, I think I like it better than the original. I like them both the same, but my my biggest problem expect- with Italian shallows and a lot of a lot of Italian horror is that where's the thread of logic? The logic is lost, and and it's more about atmosphere and it's more about the cameras and the weirdnesses and that they do. But there's this loss of logic. 
And oh, so the Suspiria definitely remake. is. And I love the film, the original. But there is that loss of logic. Right. And the, the remake has logic to it. There is a through line. You can understand what's going on. And, and I prefer that, to be honest. I do. And I thought he did a really good job in, in, in rethinking it and, and resetting it on the time frame that he did. I I really think it's a great film. Yeah, and I it's know a very, it's very good film. It's uh, free to watch on Amazon Prime if you get it, and it's very, very good. Yeah, I agree. And speaking no of questions. American Dialogues, you need to watch it because it's going to be leaving the Criterion Network soon, boys and girls, and that's The Eyes of Laura Bars. Mm-hmm. Yep. That one is very good. And thank you for being restrained on communion. <laughs> Well, why 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 wouldn't I be constrained? I don't want to give that away. That movie. No, I mean, yeah, it is. But I warn you, if you're Catholic, don't watch Communion or Alice, Sweet Alice. <laughs> it's gonna fuck with you. There's no There's doubt about certain it. Certain films that are made by lapsed Catholics that are angry, nasty films. Yep. I would put this on a double feature with Calvary. Mm-hmm. It's pretty. It's pretty rough. Uh, yeah. Wouldn't you? Uh no, I actually wouldn't. Um, but you know, it's funny. Uh, you know what I would put it on with? Um, um probably. You know the one I would put it on with. Now I think of it, it, this may not, not make sense to you, but let's see if it does. A Dark Song. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But you understand why I would put Calvary and... Oh, uh, yeah. To me, Calvary, Calvary is the reason... The the reason right. But the reason that doesn't work with me is 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 because being somewhat religious and 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 uh and knowing what they were going after in Calvary uh and it's uh restep of the seven uh of, of the 14 uh, uh stations of the cross that he goes through that ultimately that's that's an uplifting film in its own way uh and it's not nearly as angry as as uh as communion or Alice Sweet Alice it's not. It's not nearly as angry. Um, and to be yeah, honest, Dark Song is very angry. At American Jallos, like uh, Dress to Kill, which ultimately fails. I remember seeing that, and and everybody was going crazy for that film. It's like I don't get it, guys. I just don't get it. I liked it. It's just that. Once Angie Dickinson's character gets killed, the movie goes flat. Right. Agreed.
even though Michael Caine is good in it, uh, Brian De Palma, Nancy Allen is good in it. If I was going to pick a noir, a giallo type film from De Palma, I would pick Blowout. Yeah. Which you don't like that much, and I understand, but we both do agree that uh, watch John Lithgow just tears it up in that movie. Yeah, but that's another one with the too many fucking lapses of logic for me. I really do need that to a certain degree, particularly in a giallo. Yeah. And there's also, in Italian gen, there's the Red Queen Kills Again, which I love. If you want some lapses in logic, watch the night Evelyn came out of her grave. The whole now, ending I, don't make no reason, fucking sense. I love sense. that movie. I fucking love that movie. Oh, it's good, but that do one. you agree that that one is like, for the whole ending to make sense, you have to disregard a lot of shit you've seen in the movie? <laughs> oh, you know what that ending was? We don't know how to fucking end this. Is. Let's, uh, oh, let's pick this out of the hat. See if it sticks. Yeah, that works. Yeah, we'll do that. And then there's another great religious giallo, which is the one from uh, Sweet Denmark, and that's The Devil's Nightmare. Now, that one I don't know. It's about a group of uh, travelers who go to an inn, and you know who Emil Lanefork is, don't you? Yeah, uh-huh. He basically, well, he doesn't basically, he plays the devil, who sends, you know, the red-headed girl from uh, Night Evelyn came out of her grave, the real sexy one? Right. He sends her to the castle as a succubus to kill the other people oh, there. Oh, I have course. seen this under a different title. Yeah. I've seen the this devil's under a different title. One, I know it. Uh, there's another title for that, but I have seen that. Now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Been a long time since I've seen it, so I can't really say. It's still good, but Emil Langford is the devil and the red-headed girl. Erica Blanc as a succubus. Erica Blanc, exactly. And she called to me and said, I will make love to you, but you will have to lose your soul. Bye. Who are you saying goodbye to me? No. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, I'd be like, okay, shit. Okay, I'm I'm okay with that. But, yeah, each one of the killings in the movie is according to the seven deadly sins. Right. This is way before seven. What? This is way before seven. Yeah, way before seven. And the way they sold it over here as is an uh, exorcist and an omen ripoff, which it isn't. Nope. Well, nope. that goes back Agreed. to Al Sweet Alice. How many titles did that freaking movie have? Here's what I know. A Communion, Alice Sweet Alice, Holy Terror, Holy Terror, I think that's a three. I don't think there was any more than that. Brooke Shields is a holy terror. What? 
<laughs> I can remember the reason I rented it is that this woman brought it into the video store. She said, I don't like his film. Uh, this is the counter guy. Why, ma'am? It says Book Shield stars in it. Yes, but she's in it. Yes, but she gets killed two minutes in. I'm like, hey, I hated the rest of her movies. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Of course, there's the Argentos, a phenomena, or as I call it, naked monkey butt the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. Okay. Deep Red, which I love the long cut. Tenebrae, which is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's a world of Jalos out there, Carl, if you don't know it. The one that I've seen this weekend, I've watched the first two Lone Wolf and Cub movies again. They're still great. Nice. They're they're on the Criterion Channel, aren't they? Yeah. Okay, cool. And after watching Shampoo, I went and watched Once Upon a Time in the Hollywood again. Okay. Oh, my what? Lord, is there so many references to Shampoo in that movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Doesn't surprise me at all. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that w- that was really nice that we did that. And, and I like what we're doing with that series. Um, and, of course, we've got one coming up that we're going to record this week, which is going to be yeah. really something. The Man Who Fell to Earth, one of the otters. In a way, you could say the man who fell to Earth really is the last gas for bizarro 70s sci-fi movies. Yeah, more or less. More or less. There is the visitor, though. <laughs> oh, God, the visitor is a visitor. That's what we need to do a watch of. God damn. Oh, no, I would do that in a fucking heartbeat. Yeah. I love that movie. Pervert. (laughs) You like to touch little girls, don't you? (laughs) And Lance Hendrickson doesn't have it on board. (laughs) And Lance Hendrickson going through the whole movie looking like he shit his pants. They even have uh, on the uh, on the Blu-ray and DVD. They even have uh, Lance Hendrickson has a, like a five-minute interview in one of the extras where he says, "I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate, I don't have it on my IMDb. I, why am I even talking to you?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can remember his friend of mine who. Uh, brought up the poster to him at a convention as a prank for in the sign and he just looked at him and went oh my fucking god <laughs> <laughs> did he sign it did he sign it 
Yeah, he signed it. He signed it. I hate this fucking movie, Lance. Well, beginning of your career, you got to do something. He's he's actually good in that. I don't know why he hates it so much. He's actually pretty good. That 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 is one of a kind, my friend. That is yeah. one of a fucking kind. Seriously. Yeah. Django is Jesus. Yeah, we should definitely do a watch of that. We should do yeah. a watch of that. that Django is so Jesus. It turns them into little moony heads. Moon heads. <laughs> and if yep. we haven't noticed, yes, we're going to be doing the best. Next month's theme on the cult side late night movie is going to be the best and worst Latino movies. That's not fucking Scarface. <laughs> and remember, if you're going to get in my face and say, I like Scarface, you want to fuck your sister. <laughs> <laughs> but the ones that have we pretty much settled on in stone... Is Carl's going to be watching Short Eyes with me? But if you don't know it, just look up the trailer and stuff. This be is very afraid. Yeah, this one's one of the nastier, meaner, freaking prison movies ever, and it's the only movie that was written by and has Miguel Piero acting in it. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn who he is when we do the watch, because Carl's probably got a big... Well, Carl definitely does have a big old long story for that. Yeah, I do. I do. And the second one we're going to be watching is Robbie fucking Bishon. And what? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what Carl's doing this morning with that clip that I've shown you. But I was laughing the whole time hearing him talk his tough Latino talk. Yeah. And yeah. of course, we're going to be doing another movie with a Jew playing a Mexican. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And a Mexican named Jesus, to be honest. Jesus. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. And, uh, and that, that one is be... something that we wanted to do earlier, but uh, we had problems. But now we're going to do it for uh, the Mexican. So there we do. We're going to do Greaser's, Greaser's Palace. Palace. And the last one we're going to do is going to be something special. Sorry, Carl, you can't be in on it because you don't own the movie and only way to buy it cheap is to buy it on Amazon. And that would be Boulevard Nights, the one that me and Brian lovingly lovingly talked about on the show last year about this time. Okay. It it came out the same year, 1979, as The Wanderers, uh, The Warriors, Lords of Flatbush, and Boulevard Nights. Okay. That was a hell of a year for gang films, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely. There wasn't even a bad one on that list that I just mentioned, was there? Yeah, yeah. I to be honest, I don't remember Boulevard Nights, so I I can't judge that one. But everyone else, everyone is really good. The Short Eyes is a really good film, uh, but we will warn you that the uh, content is difficult. Let's just leave it. Yeah, <laughs> it's difficult. It's brutal. It's honest. It's no bullshit. Yeah. Besides Oz, this is the least romanticized prison movie you'll ever see. And it was filmed in the one prison in New York City that no one who lived in New York City, criminal or straight, would ever want to go. Very true. And you know where that is, don't you, Carl? Uh, Well, that's Rikers. The tombs. Oh yeah, the tombs. Oh, sorry, the tombs. That's right. Yep. Uh, I'll have to see if I can edit that story out of the episode with uh, Carter Stevens who played before that one, the one where he talks about his uh, weekend in the tombs. Yeah, see if you could do that. I remember that. That was something. But, yeah, that's our plans for next month. And uh, Tuesday, we're going to be going down to Carl's Tavern. Or is it Cavern? Uh, That's actually going to be Wednesday, isn't it? Yeah, Wednesday. Wednesday, yeah. Yeah. We're we're going to visit the Cavern. Wednesday we got booked, remember? No, I thought it was Tuesday we had booked with Vicky, and Wednesday was mine. No, Monday... Okay, we're going to get away. We're going behind the curtain. Monday is going to be the half hour, us recording the opening to The Man Who Fell to Earth. Tuesday right. is Brian Dennehy. Oh, Tuesday is Carl's Tavern or Cavern. And uh, three is Wednesday is going to be the watch, and I'm going to edit together. And then we'll have it all for you lovely people for... Thursday. Why are we not doing it live as usual? Because the man who fell to earth is two hours and 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a long film. It's a long film. And the complete shampoo show was up. And it times out is two hours and 57 minutes. So wow. that's a long Yep. Well, we had so much to fucking talk about, even after the movie was over. We did. We did. Absolutely. But, yeah, Tuesday we're going to be talking about Brian Dennehy. God, yeah. Great. Great actor. Seriously, great And we're not going to play the music, but I want to bring up my thing, just because I just love the title of it. Where is it? Hold on. And you got to admit, this is one of the greater titles ever. Man, this is a Carl's, this is a swing, but Carl's not prepared for it, but I just love the title. Uh, 
Man tries to rob hot dog stand, misfires, shooting robber. The criminal shoots the robber himself, shoots in, himself the in the penis. See, the reason yeah. I don't want to do it is, is there's so many, there's so many hot dog and penis jokes in there. I'm still working on it. Yeah, he went there with a foot long. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. It's uh, all about Wiener. Yeah. It's all about Wiener. This is the night. A robber is in the process of robbing a hot dog stand on the far south side of Chicago when he discharges weapon on himself. And then, of course, sent to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, sent to the hospital. Oh, shit. He shot himself twice. Once to the penis and once in his leg. Yep. This take this took place in 2017, but that's just such a great freaking story. Mm-hmm. This is why some people shouldn't have guns. Oh, Not without a doubt. Not because they're dangerous. Because they're a danger to the freaking self. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um, Let me get back to your thing again so we can talk about the jazz guy who died because, God, this guy is muy importante. Uh, I, again, I, did, I, wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this. We'll have to do it another time. Because I, I don't really have that much info on it. Henry Grimes, Grimes died. And why is he so special? Well, I could just bring up who he worked with, and, you're, and that just signifies his badass motherfucker credit credentials. Uh, you ever heard of? Pharaoh Sanders? Oh, yeah. Archie Shep? Yep. Benny Goodman? Absolutely. Thelonious Monk? Yep. His first iteration goes back to 1977 when he is a highly sought-after jazz bassist, playing with some of the era's names. During this time, he worked with Sonny Rollins, Don Cherry, Biggie Higgins, Billy Higgins, and Cecil Taylor. In the 60s, he began delving into the avant-garde, playing outside the late McCoy Tyler, Abra Ailey, or more. So in short, this guy was walking history. Oh, yeah. A lot of these guys did that. I mean, I mean, they would play with different bands and that sort of thing. You get these these session musicians and these these, these really fine uh, uh, band musicians that went from from uh, jazz great to jazz great. Man, it's amazing who they played with. Seriously, these like men. Oh, and going back to what Gene uh, said earlier, I meant to ask you about this. Uh, 
how uh, the bands would owe so much to the record labels. Isn't that why uh, Frank Zappa played bare bones shows compared to most well, bands of the era? Well, what he would do is 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 he basically touring part of what he did uh, because you have to understand uh, you have to understand uh, music publishing, okay? Yeah. So, so he had his own music publishing company, okay? And and he instead of what what um, Gene was talking about was with films, uh, he would license you know they would license it, but he still owned it, so he could. And and, and if the recording was done, it was that arrangement that was covered. Okay, that they own, that that the record releasing company would own. Yeah. But he redid it for a different orchestration, a different set of band players, and do a different arrangement. Then, then, then the money would go back to him. Yeah. Okay. But what I'm what talking I'm about when I say bare bones is that you would have. Uh, the Rolling Stones with the elaborate light shows, the Grateful Dead with the giant stacks of martial amps and all the theatricality. Zappa basically just yeah, come I, with I, the band I, I, guys on stage and just play the ass That off. was not him. That was not him. I mean, if anything, they would play around and, and, and use humor and, and do, you know, some prop stuff. And goofy little but, man. But, you know, but... but Seriously, uh, if they were playing, he was serious that they'd be serious, okay, yeah. and, and, and and that they didn't need all the lights and all the, the, the flashy stuff because it was the playing that would bring people in. He believed that 100%, and he was right. Now, don't forget that this is a guy that would have an audience and they'd be looking for something like Dynamo Hum, and then suddenly he'd be playing stuff like uh, uh, third-stream jazz shit and things like that. And they were still in their seats just like amazed. Yeah. That's what they did. Yeah, but what I'm going about is what, what it turns out back then is that the comp- record companies would rather you have the elaborate, fancy-ass shows that way they could say, oh, uh, Kiss had this on their first really big tour. Well, they ended up owing the record company $100,000 by the end of the tour. Right. Right. So Frank and avoided all that mess. No, he didn't. That was not where he was going. Um uh, now, don't think that the record companies didn't make money, because they certainly did with him. Oh, yeah, they did. It's just that he wasn't going to help them. <laughs> no, no. You know and plus I mean. also, he wanted control. Remember, yeah. you're talking about one of the, the, the biggest control freaks in the fucking music business there ever was. And that's Frank Zappa. Well, the more control you know, he I mean, had, the more he, money he took home. Well, well, don't forget, too, that he had to sue uh, Warner Brothers. Not once, but twice to get control of his back catalog. He did a whole tour with nothing but uh, 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 basic uh, uh, during the whole tour, 
And was like, fuck Warner Brothers. Fuck Warner Brothers. You know, give me my fucking catalog. All throughout the damn concert. I was to one of those concerts. Isn't, you know, and didn't not, he create legal precedent? Oh, he did a shitload like that. I don't, I, I don't have that right in front of me, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's a shame that he can get to put it on this year, but I'd rather him do that than, like I said, most drive-ins, we didn't get into it, Carl, are, it's like you're in fucking prisoner in school. You got to honk your horn, let the car hops come to your car, say, I want to go to the bathroom, or... So-and-so in my car wants to go to the bathroom. You have to wait for the bathrooms to be cleaned out and for the people to leave before. Then you'll be escorted to the bathroom, and people will stand outside the bathroom door. Why? You use the bathroom. And then they will take you out, take you to your car again. Would you want to go to a drive-in movie or any movie like that? No thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'll just get out of the car and take a piss right. I don't care who sees me. Who could? <laughs> you have a point. That's but why I always in all keep seriousness, you. yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's crazy how much money, extra money that they're having to spend to do that. Yep. And Agreed. we're going to end Laurelly tonight because uh, Carl has to set up because he's going to school at about 9.30. That's true. That's true. I, I, I'm going to be learning about more production stuff, which is a good thing. Yeah. And we'll see you on Thursday at Carl, Tuesday at Carl's Cavern. Where the beer flows smooth, and it's German beer because Carl's German, right, Carl? And we have lots of we 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 have lots of uh, 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 cheese and sausage for you too. Oh, good lord! I'd hate to see. Yeah, you're on a wine list. Carl's Cavern has a cheese list, and that's not nothing <laughs> oh. to laugh at. <laughs> no, no, trust me. If, you know, I, I have this dream of opening up a restaurant and all we would serve is mac and cheese. All, like, different types. I've done that before, but you would serve cheese, cheese-related dishes, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I have to go on, on a run tomorrow to a local cheese shop because I'm almost out of cheese. Yeah. And I'm not joking. I know. And we'll see you tomorrow night. It just sucks how fast that the shows with Gene goes uh, goes by. And we love you, George. Sorry you couldn't make it. And they will post later a little something that they're going to do next week. And Joe Bob's new season on Shudder starts this Saturday. And this is the proper ending because what does Joe what did Joe Bob, he still always ends every show with? 
I don't know. Tell us. It's the been a while. will never die. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, it's, it seems to be picking up with all this corona uh, craziness. And, so. people, and if, just because we can't make it out to the drive-in this year, it's always going to be in our hearts. So watch a drive-in movie next weekend, or definitely watch the feed they're going to be showing. If not, watch a drive-in movie and just think of them. Because the family will get together again. I promise you that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and, Gene, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. You're, you're a hoot. You're so much fun. And we'll meet again. Except this time we know how and we know when. That's going to be Tuesday night. All right, Stephen, as always, thank you very much for letting me be on. Appreciate it, man. Same to you. Good night. Good night, everyone.